Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. There are so many things in our lives that can become a priority to us. And sometimes our priorities can get out of balance and the wrong things are positioned the wrong way in our life. And, you know, I think sometimes instead of God being the priority that he's supposed to be, sometimes there can be other things that become a priority close to him and sometimes, unfortunately, over and above him. And I know that in theory we know that God is supposed to come first, but I think in practical terms sometimes in our lives we get busy, we get preoccupied, or new things come into our lives, and it's just not the case. Other priorities sneak in and slip in, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, you know, what our priorities are and how we honor God in our life and how we worship God. So I I named this series that we're going to talk about for the next month, No Other Gods. Can you just say that with me? No Other Gods. Gods. That seems like kind of like you're coming at it really forceful. But in actuality, these things that sometimes in our life, if we're honest, that we put at the same level of God or above God, they become gods to us. And we, in a way, focus on them. We shower our time on them. We spend our thought life on them. And sometimes they become a god to us. So can we talk about that today? When God began to call his people together and make a people, he decided to give them some rules, give them some parameters, give them some laws so that they could better understand him and understand the way that he operates. Not just to be this big rule keeper, but actually when God started to first form his people, they were not a nation, they didn't have a code of ethics, they didn't have a code of conduct, and so God had to give them all of that. Constitution, laws, rules, how to treat each other. And so he gives them laws. But he starts here with ten. The ten commandments is what he kind of builds everything else off of. And he starts right here. The first commandment, Exodus 20, verse 3. You probably guessed it. You shall have no other gods before me. And that's what we're talking about today. Evidently, God knew that his people would have an issue with this. So right up top, at the beginning of the ten, he said, you should have no other gods before me. He knew that there would be some temptations, maybe some stuff from the past that came up, maybe some futuristic priorities that might come into their life. And he said, you shall have no other gods before me. So he said, just before this happens, let me be clear up top. Let me help you so that we can have this relationship that I know that we can have. You shall have no other gods. Now we move a few thousand years forward, and what's changed? Do people still worship other gods? Absolutely. We might call them different things. It might be different gods, but they're still gods that work their way into our life. People continue even to make new religions. Can I tell you right now, there's more religions today than there's ever been in the world. Google it. It'll blow your mind. How many religions, how many different things that people worship and how many different subsets of that 
People continue to make statues and idols and totem poles and objects that they worship. But we also, besides these traditional gods, we have things that are also, that become gods, that are enduring. What can become a god in our life? Well, anything can become a god in our life. Anything that we put on the same level or more important than God. Can I say that again? Because I don't want us to miss that. Anything that we put on the same level or higher than God has become, in fact, a God to us. It, it could be money. It could be ourselves. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be comfort. It could be an entertainer. It could be a politician. It, there's lots of things. And I know some of you might be saying, really? Come on. And other, the other ones of you said, absolutely, this can happen. Well, let's talk about it. Let's, 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 let's talk a little bit about this. Because in our culture, we even have things that we don't really give much thought to. We have American Idol. And for some people, it's just a show. For other people, they actually make these people, these entertainers, they put posters up, right? Of your favorite entertainer. You talk about their songs. You buy their music. You... Call people up on the phone. Hey, you go into the concert and spend more money. We put them up there on a pedestal. Sometimes an entertainer can become a God to us. A God can be anything that dominates your time, resources, or thought life. Don't get me started on TV shows and movies. <laughs> I don't want to seem over the top, but think about this week how much you watch TV versus how much you prayed. And tell me that that can't become a God to you. Exodus 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. So the landscape may change, but the pantheon remains. The names of the gods may change, but there's still a pantheon of gods out there that we can or cannot buy into. Depending on what we focus on and what we allow into our lives. So God would actually do this. He would bring this topic up to his people often, right? And he would relate it to an intimate relationship. He would relate this to a marriage. He would say, have you been faithful to me? Or you've been unfaithful to me? Or you, Jesus said this one, you adulterous generation. So there was this symbolism of, I want to have this intimate relationship with me, with you. But you keep on going out there and finding other things to fill up that space that I was meant to fill. You keep putting other things in that space. I want to have relationship with you. I want it to be special. I want it to be one of a kind. I want it to be unique. And I want you to be faithful to me as I've been faithful to you. And so he would send messengers. He would send prophets. Faithfulness is a big thing to God. Listen to this. Exodus 30, uh, sorry, Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5. Let's listen to it in context. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any image of the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He puts it right out there. I just want you to know, don't have any other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. 
That's just how I roll. And I don't know if you've ever had a jealous girlfriend. Hallelujah. Or a jealous boyfriend. They call you all the time to check up on you. Hey, hey, what's, what's going on? I was just trying to go to the gym. Hey, what's going on? What, what you doing? I'm just going to work. Hey, what you doing? I'm just trying to study my schoolwork. Hey, what's going on? A jealous girlfriend or boyfriend is always in your business. Now, Pastor Corinne is not like that. She's a very confident woman. It's true. It's, it's true. Being in a relationship with God is awesome. He blesses you. He protects you. He gives you joy. He gives you peace. He showers his love on you and so much more. But God is jealous. I'm going to give you all this and more, but I'm jealous. I will have no other. I will share the space with no other gods in your life. And so he will not tolerate any other gods in your life. He will not tolerate any other priorities higher than himself in your life. Can we be practical? Can we talk practically like that? That's just how God is. He gives the best and he expects the best. So just as a jealous girlfriend or a jealous boyfriend demands all your time and attention, God makes certain demands of his people. They're not exactly the same demands as a girlfriend or a boyfriend. But God is intense. His love is intense. Dying on the cross for our sins is intense. Creating the whole universe with us at the center of it, that's pretty intense and over the top. God is not laid back in what he does. He is involved even to the details of our lives. And that's what Jesus, how Jesus explained it in Luke 12, 7. He said, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Right? Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. So he's involved in the details of our life. First Peter 2, 9 tells us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Can I just stop right there? God's special possession possession. Can you say that term with me? God's special possession. He calls you and me his special possession. Now that's great and that's also very heavy at the same time. You know something that is your special possession. When other people ask to see it, you say, no, you can't. This is just, this is just mine. This is very special to me, right? And if you do allow them to hold it, it's under direct supervision. That special possession has a special place. It's not just in your house. It's in a special place in your house. And that's really how God sees us. Even when the devil was allowed to touch Job, it was under direct supervision of God because Job was God's special possession. Sometimes we think, well, I can do whatever I want to do. And, and that's kind of true until you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And I give my life to you. At that point, you become God's special possession. So you can't go back and do the same things that you did. 
some things that you want to do, you can't do anymore because you're God's special possession. There's certain types of rules and a code of conduct that comes with being God's special possession. Now, the great part about this is when the devil tries to step into your life, you can remind him that you are God's special possession. He has to get out of your life. He has to get out of your family. He has to get off of your finances because you are God's special possession. And the promises of God apply to you because you're God's special possession. It's, it's a heavy thing. On one side, we have all these promises of God. On the other side, there are some different rules that God has for his special possession. But the good news is, even with those rules, those rules are meant to keep us in a place of blessing. And for us to experience his life and his life more abundantly. I think this is the lie oftentimes that the devil tells people is that, oh, when you become a Christian, you got to give this up and you got to give that up and you got to give this up. And that's one way to look at it. But actually, when you give this up and you give that up and you give this up, God gives you something even greater in the place of that. And what he gives you is so much better. And what he strips out of your life actually are things that would hold you back. But things can easily become gods in our life. Money, lust, relationships, self, comfort, pleasure, entertainment, sports, special interest, all kinds of things. Egypt was once a superpower, the superpower actually in the world, but they forgot what made them powerful. What made them powerful was the hand of God through the person of Joseph That's what built Egypt into a superpower. And I would say in the time of Joseph, in the day of Joseph, many people began to turn to the one true God. But the problem was, after Joseph died, it said um, that people started to forget stuff. (laughs) They, They forgot what Joseph did. They forgot what God had done for them. And they went back to their old gods. Because they never really completely evicted them. And those old gods kind of crept back in. Instead of continuing to honor God, they fell back into their old habits, their old gods, these useless gods that never really helped them in the first place. And these useless gods were all over the place. Egypt had all kinds of gods. There was a god for almost anything you could imagine. You want to start a family? There's a god for that. You want a bumper crop? There's a god for that. You want a great year in business? There's a god for that. You go into war? There's a God for that. God for anything. When we really come to Christ, we have a powerful experience, right? Anybody remember the the, the first time you really had a moment with God and and, and came to Him and you fell on your knees or you lifted your hands and said, God, I need you. And oftentimes we have this amazing experience with God and then after a little while goes by we start to drift back into some of our old habits some of those old gods try to creep into our life that's essentially what 
this passage is talking about. That's what God was dealing with when he gave them the Ten Commandments. The children of Israel had had this great salvation experience. Exodus out of Egypt. But he said, now listen. Let me make sure you understand this. You don't need to have any other gods but me. Don't reach back and think about those old gods that were in Egypt. Don't find some new gods when you come into the new land. You shall have no other gods before me. We must remember God has commanded us. You shall have no other gods. Even when we have moments of doubt, even moments of flesh, we must return to that focus on God and not invite other false deities into our lives. And God sends us messengers to remind us to keep Him the focus, to return to God, to put Him back at the center of our life, because when God is not the center, things begin to unravel. Anybody ever, some stuff unraveled in your life when you took a step back in your prayer life, or you were coming to church a little bit less, or you were reading your Bible a little bit less, stuff started to unravel, right? Why is that? The very promises of God that we so often quote or we stand on, we build our life on, don't function the same way when God is not at the center. The promise of no weapon formed against me will not prosper doesn't function the same way when God isn't the center. The promise that He will never leave me or forsake me doesn't apply the same way when my life is focused on something completely different. And definitely the promises of Deuteronomy 28 that say you'll be blessed when you go in and blessed when you come out and blessed in your business and blessed in your family and blessed with everything you lay your hands to. Deuteronomy 28.6. That doesn't apply at all when God isn't the center. Actually, the second half of Deuteronomy 28 applies when we don't put God at the center. He said, you'll be cursed when you go out. You'll be cursed when you go in. You'll be cursed in your family. You'll be cursed whatever thing you lay your hands to. So the promises of God function best when He is the center. And that's what God wants. He wants to bless us. That's His game plan. But when we put something else in front of Him we put something else as important as him, we get off plan. We get off plan. That's not the plan that God wanted for you. That's not the plan that God wanted for me. But we put something else at the center. And the the devil always is trying to trick us, get us off plan, to get us off of God's path. So he's created this pantheon of gods to insert into our life, depending on what our affinity is in the flesh, Right? So the moment that we start to pull back from God, we have all these different things for our flesh to choose from. Oh, look at all these other gods. God's heart is to bless you and me beyond what we could possibly imagine. But it will only come when He is at the center. My prayer is that we will see the fullness of what God has for us. There's a passage in Jeremiah that says, I 
know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. In the book of John, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. He wants to fulfill every good desire in your life. He wants to bring the relationships into your life, the financial blessing into your life, family into your life. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring promotion into your life. But he says, I have this one condition. I have to be first. You can have no other gods before me. I'm a God of restoration. I can fix things that are broken in your life. I'm the God of miracles. I can cause things that are supernatural to happen in your physical body and in your circumstances around you. But I have this one criteria. You can have no other gods but me. I will bless you beyond anything that you could ask or think according to his riches in glory. But I have one criteria. I have to be number one. God has created a paradise. He created a paradise for man to live in. Sin messed that up. God stepped back into creation to fix and redeem and save and recreate the ability for us to have paradise. But all he asks that you have no other God. Will you bow your heads with me today? God, I thank you for bringing the attention to this very important point of your character. God, you're such a benevolent, such a loving, such an awesome God. You want to bless your children. You want to promote us. You want to bring completeness and wholeness and restoration to us. But you have this one criteria. You have to be number one. God, as we go through this month, let us really meditate on that. Pray on that. Think on that and ask you, how can I make you first place in my life is there anything that I need to reprioritize in my life is there some things I need to pull out of my life is there some things I need to lessen in my life so I can make you the center once again I understand that as I make you number one in my life that everything else functions better my marriage functions better family, my parenting skills, my business, my joy, my peace, 
It all functions as an outflow of making you number one. God, help me to make you number one in my life. Higher, much higher than anything else. God, I know you have plans to prosper me, to bless me. God, help me do that. And as heads are bowed, maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I, I, I want to reconnect with him today. I, I want to recommit to him. Or maybe you say, I, I've never really committed to him. I've been near a commitment. I've been around people that made a commitment. I've never made a commitment. If either of those are you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are today. Right where you are. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. This is so, this is the most important decision. When we say yes to Jesus, it opens up all the great possibilities that God has for us. If you lifted up your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. You died so that I could live. You died so that I could be reconnected to my inheritance in God. Thank you. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the moments I've gotten it wrong. And I put other things before you. Jesus, I put you number one. I commit to having no other gods but you. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.